Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Merry Christmas. Those of you that are watching online, we're glad that you joined us tonight as well. Uh, This past week, uh, our family did what probably a lot of your families have done around this time of year, and kind of it, it's kind of part of what we do as families. And, and what that is, is we, we went to a program that our kids were in. And so you probably, uh, maybe this past week or the last few weeks, have gone to a, a child's program or grandchild's or friends. And, and Kate, she was in, our nine-year-old, she was in uh, a play, the play Annie, and so the play, we, uh, it was in Natomas, and there were two nights that you could go to it. And so I think there was a Tuesday and a Thursday. And, and at both of the plays, uh, we went on Tuesday, but at both of the different plays, uh, there were some friends or family members that went to the play to see Kate and to see some other friends. And when we went to the play, we weren't going to that play to critique Kate to see if she did her part all right. Uh, we, we weren't even as good as that play was, and we had a blast. We weren't even going to that play to be entertained. That wasn't our sole purpose for going. We went to that play for one reason. And the reason that we went to that play was we wanted our daughter to know that we are for you, Kate. Whether, no matter what part in the play you are, are part of, no matter how you do in the play at your part, We want you to know we love you and we are for you and that's why we're here. And you've done the same thing. And we could have told Kate. We could have said, hey, Kate, man, we're excited about your play. And, and Kate, we're, man, uh, hope you do a great job. And man, if you, if you do a good job when you get home, we'll, we'll have your favorite ice cream. We could have said all that. We could have said, hey, we're for you. We hope you do well. But when we showed up, we proved that we were really for her. And you, you understand this because you've experienced this in your own life. You've had people that have, over the years, have told you they were for you. But then you've also had people that, man, they didn't just say it, they showed up. And for some of you, you remember they came to your game. And you remember them cheering you on when they didn't have to be there, but they came not because they probably even cared about the score or who was going to win. They wanted you to know they were for you. You had somebody come to the hospital and hold your hand when you maybe were going through some uh, tough circumstances physically, and they, they came, and you remember them not because of what they said, but because they were for you. They showed up. You may have had somebody come to your play. They brought you flowers at the end of your performance. And, and they, again, were there just to tell you, man, we're for you. We love you. You may have had somebody stood, that stood beside you at a funeral. Or maybe a really tough time for you when you lost somebody that you cared about deeply. 
And you had some people that kind of came around you. And you'll never forget it because they were for you. They were with you. They stood with you and didn't just say it. They may have said nothing. They were there. They showed up. And here's what the most beautiful thing is about this season. The the season of Christmas and really the message of Christmas is all about this. It's about God through the ages saying to you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're somebody that's investigating faith, maybe you're somebody that's here because your mom told you that she'd love for you to come with her to the Christmas service. No matter kind of where you find yourself, the story and message of Christmas is God through the ages saying to us, I am for you. God is for you. That's the message of Christmas. And the beautiful thing about the message of Christmas and the fact that God is for us is this, that he didn't just talk about it, but he acted it. He acted on it. He showed up. There's a passage in scripture that you probably have heard of, whether you grew up in church or not. You went to a play and watched somebody and they actually acted out part of these words. It's found in the book of Luke. It was written by a doctor. And Dr. Luke wrote probably the the account of Jesus' birth and kind of the Christmas account that most of us are most familiar with. Whether you kind of bought into the whole Jesus thing or not, you've heard some of these words. And he talks to us about Jesus coming to earth and about some of the people that that first night came around Jesus. And just to kind of bring you up to speed before we dive in, basically what's happened is the government has told everybody that the government said, hey, we want you to go home for Christmas. And they wanted, they told the people they had to go home for Christmas, not because they wanted them to celebrate, but they had to go back to their home area so they could be counted, so they could be taxed. And so we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, and we pick up the story of a young couple who is headed back home, for the purpose of basically being counted so they can be taxed. And the scriptures say this. In Luke chapter 2 verse 4 it says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. So, So Joseph... And Mary, young couple, Mary is pregnant. They're about 90 miles from where his hometown is. And so Joseph says, hey, it's time. We got to go back to to home and we got to be there so we can be counted. But at this point, and I don't understand this, obviously, because I'm not a lady. But Mary's like going on about nine months pregnant. And so I remember when my wife was nine months pregnant. And there's, it's just life is complicated and it's painful. And I remember my wife not even being able to get comfortable like to sleep. And so poor Mary is 90 miles away from where they need to go. There's no airplanes. There's no bicycles. There's no no vehicles. It's, hey, babe, you're going to ride on this donkey and I'll walk beside it for 90 miles. And so they do this. They go back to the home area and it says this. Luke says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth 
and laid him in a manger, basically a feeding trough, because there was no guest room available for them. Over the years, we've taken this little scene and we've made it really hallmarkish. We've made it really cute. We've put twinkle lights behind it, really cute, fluffy animals, really beautiful, like that don't go to the bathroom. Some, for Somehow these animals, they actually didn't use the restroom or something. The hay is all clean. Like that's the picture that we've made. We've, we've made this very sanitary, but, but what probably, if you were to be there 2,000 years ago, you wouldn't have seen a clean, tidy, pain-free birth. What you would have seen is you would have seen 2,000 years ago a dirty, poor, homeless family amongst dirty, smelly animals having a baby. No medication, no disinfectant, no, no fresh linens to wrap the baby in, just two tired, nervous young parents and a baby boy. And while this baby is being born in this stable or kind of cave thing where animals live, not far from there, there's a group of guys out in the field, and we know them as the shepherds. And Luke tells us a little bit about these guys. It says this, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Shepherding is one of the oldest professions really in the world. And it's a pretty self-explanatory you know, kind of profession. You, these guys, they tend sheep, they protect them, they watch over them, they make sure they get fed. I mean, it's, that's what they do. And shepherds, as, if you grew up kind of around the church or you went to a Christian school that put on a play, if you couldn't be Mary and Joseph you wanted to be a shepherd. Like that was kind of tier two of the really good roles. A wise man was pretty good too, but a shepherd. You didn't really want to be a shepherd back in this day because like a shepherd in the play was a good role. Shepherding back then was like the lowest. They were the bottom of the totem pole. They were not looked on really good in society. They were pretty shady guys. Uh, these are guys that you didn't want your daughter to bring home. To you, uh, you, and if they did, you took that guy out back and you told God that he died and you took care of him. He was, wasn't a good guy. And, and so these shepherds, they're out in the field. They're, you know, thieves. They're, like I said, their profession is pretty dirty. They're not even really allowed to be a part of the religious system because they're unclean. And they're out in the field doing what they do. It's a normal night for them. They're probably talking about very inappropriate things that you wouldn't talk about around angels or Jesus for sure. And so they're out in the field doing what they normally do. And all of a sudden, these guys that were probably actually cynical to the religious world, their, their life gets changed. And what was a very normal night for them became very abnormal very quickly when an angel came to see them. The scripture says, says this in, in verse 9. Then the, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So these guys are they're just out there doing their thing, probably kind of half falling asleep. Like I said, talking about what probably they shouldn't have been. And all of a sudden, an angel appears, and the way Luke says it is, man, they were terrified. This is like next level intense fear. Like I need to go change my shepherd uniform fear. 
These guys are, are terribly afraid. This angel like kind of lights up the sky in the middle of the night. And, and here's what the angel said. It says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. It's like, that's easier said than done. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And basically the angels say, hey, instead of being afraid, I actually want you to lean in to what I'm about to tell you. Because I'm going to tell you some really good news that's going to bring joy to the world. And so this, this angel kind of gives them the message. And he says this in verse 11. Today, in the city of David, which is right there. In the city of David, a Savior was born for you. Who is the Messiah, the Lord. See, the truth even to these guys that were not religious guys at all, the truth that a savior, a rescuer, who they would have heard of, this was somebody that the, the Jewish people had been looking for for hundreds of years, a, a savior, a Messiah that had been prophesied about hundreds of years earlier, so they knew about this. They probably weren't super interested in it, but they knew about it. And this angel comes to them and says, hey, the Savior has been born to you here. And this was, this was so important because to these people, they understood that a rescuer was needed because something had been broken. The relationship that God had with man had been broken because of sin. And so this idea that a rescuer, someone that would come and, and repair that relationship, they, they probably heard, had heard about. Paul, who was a guy that wrote a letter to the Romans a few years after this, he said it this way when he was talking about sin. He said this, he said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul says, hey, everybody, and these guys would understand this, everybody's disobeyed God. Everybody's gone their own way. Everyone has sinned, and because of that, we have missed the mark. We have fallen short of what it takes to have a relationship with God. And then Paul, in a, in a couple chapters later, he actually says it this way as he talked about the destruction of sin that these guys would have known in their own life. He says this in Romans 6. He says, the wages of sin is death. See, sin destroys things. Sin destroys relationships. Sin kills futures. Sin breaks up families. Sin ends in an eternity without God. And hundreds of years earlier... God had, had written and, and prophesied through a guy by the name of Isaiah that somebody was going to come and fix the problem and, and bring hope to the situation that sin had broken a relationship between God and man. And the, the angels here saying, hey guys, tonight's the night. God is for you and the Savior, the Rescuer has come for you. These guys... I'm. I'm not sure what they're thinking at this point, but probably they're thinking, did the angel make a wrong turn? Because you're talking like every person in the world that probably needed to hear this message, and you chose these us? We, we know us. 
But yet this angel came and told these guys that, hey, the Savior, the Rescuer is here tonight. And the angel goes on. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And so these guys who just, I mean, not, not a few minutes earlier had just been having a normal, quiet night now have have heard from an angel and now not just one angel but the sky is lit up with angels talking about this savior who's been born this rescuer and so they had they came had to come to a decision like the angels are telling them this they had to decide what are we going to do with this we don't understand why they chose us to tell this message but they did and now we got to decide what are we going to do with this And Luke goes on and he tells us exactly what the shepherds did right after the angels left. He says this. He says, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. These guys are like, I don't know what it is. I don't don't understand this, but there's something inside of us that that it's just pushing us to go find the Savior. And so for these guys, it wouldn't have been a long walk. I mean, we're not talking about a huge city. It probably didn't take them long before they come around a corner and they look in a cave stable type of thing where mainly animals stay. And they, they walk in and they find this young couple sitting by a feeding trough. And in that feeding trough, this little baby. And as they're that, I just, in my own mind's eye, I wonder, man, what what must that have been like? What must that have been like to talk with Mary and Joseph and to see God's son hours after he had been born in that manger, in that trough? And, And the the scriptures doesn't tell us if they hung out for an hour, two hours, but after they were done, the scriptures tells us, Luke says, hey, after these guys are done seeing this baby, like they couldn't, they, they couldn't shut up about it. They, they, they left and they, man, they just went around and they were just telling everybody like, you got it, like. You got to hear what we saw. You got to hear the message. You got to know that God is for you, that a Savior has come and we saw him tonight. Yeah, I don't don't know why he came to us. I know you don't even want to talk to us because we're pretty shady guys, but I'm here to tell you that a Savior is born and, and he's changing us. And I don't understand it all, but he's come and we saw him tonight. And these shepherds, they, they go around and for them what started with this quiet kind of night and this group of cynical shepherds, it ended with them going around and just telling people, God is for you. We saw the Savior. And here's what's cool. See, God was for these guys 2,000 years ago. But you know what? He is for you. And he's for me. 
now 2,000 years later. And if you're honest, whether you're watching online or you're here tonight, you might have trouble believing that. You hear somebody say, hey, God is for you. And you're like, well, dude, do you, do you realize the type of year I just had? God is for you. Do, do you realize how bad religious people have hurt me in my past? God is for you. Do, do, you, do you realize some of the things that I've done that I don't, I don't even like to talk about and some of the, the stuff that, man, it's just in my past that I'm ashamed of? Do you realize that? What do you mean God is for me? And I'm here to tell you, God is for you. And it's, it's why we celebrate Christmas. It's, it's what Christmas is all about, is that, that this God of the universe, he, he came down from heaven. He didn't have to, but because he loved us, and he came because he was for us, because he wanted to heal a relationship between God and man. And the beautiful thing about God is God doesn't just talk about it. He proves it. He acts it out. I love how Paul says it in Romans chapter 5. He says it this way. He says, but God proves his own love for us. Not God talks about his love for us. He proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, when we were still basically telling God, we don't want you, get away from us. We don't want to go your way. While we were doing that, God proved his love to the world. And sent his son. He sent his son to rescue. And here's why. You and I, whether we like to talk about this or not, we like to do things our way. If you're watching online, we like to do things our way, don't we? And so we have done that. We've done things our way. God has said, hey, this is my best for you. This is the best way to do this. And we have disobeyed God. We have done things our way. And the Bible calls that sin. And because of sin, our relationship with God has been hurt. It's been, we're separated from God. And we, we, at this time of year, we celebrate this baby that came to earth, God's son, and he came to earth to be the rescuer, to, to be the person that heals that relationship. But he didn't stay a baby. In fact, Jesus, he lived about 33 years on this earth. And, and during those 33 years, Jesus never sinned. He never disobeyed God. And at the age of 33, he was with some of his kind of guys, and they were praying in a garden. And that evening, while he was praying in a garden, a group of soldiers came and took him, and they people hated him because of what he stood for, and so they wanted to get rid of him. And that night, they put him on trial. They brought a lot of false witnesses in to lie about him. They spent the evening humiliating him and torturing him. And it was several hours later after he had been beaten, after his beard had been ripped out, after he had been humiliated, that they took Jesus and they laid him on a cross and they nailed his hands and his feet to that cross. And he, on that cross, he bled and he died. They took his body off the cross and they Man, thought they were done with him. They put his body in a grave. And three days later, he got up out of the grave. 
And he proved to all eternity that sin was no longer, had no more power. Death had no more power. That he was who he said he was, God's son. See, from the manger that Jesus was born in, to the cross that he died on, to the grave that he rose from, the message was, I am for you. That's why I came. I want a relationship with you, and I have made a way for that relationship to happen. Which brings us to a simple question. And as we close this portion of our service, I want you to think about this question. It's a question that no one can answer for you, and you can't answer it for anyone else. It's a personal question. It's simple, but very personal. And here's the question. Do I want a relationship with God? Simple question with, with just two answers. He, he went to great lengths to show us that he loved us. He went to great lengths to make a way for us to have a relationship with him. He, he's very clear that he wants that relationship, but he doesn't twist our arm and it's up to us. We have to make that decision. And so the question is, whether you're online or you're here tonight, do I want a relationship with God? I mean, there one or two answers. You, we can say no. And some of us have. We've said no. We say, you know what, God, I appreciate what you did. You know, the Christmas thing, it's pretty fun to celebrate. And man, the whole die on a cross thing. I know we, we do some stuff at Easter. That is awesome that you would do that for us. But you know what? I, I want to kind of live my life the way I want to. I kind of think my way is better than your way. So I'm going to kind of go my own way. And when this whole thing is over, I'll take care of my own sin. You don't need to worry about it. We can say no, or we can say yes. We can say, you know what, God, yeah, I, I admit, I've disobeyed you. I've done things my way. I've thought my way is best. I've done that a lot, God. I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus came and died on a cross and rose from the grave to heal my relationship with God, and instead of going my own way, I want to come to you. I want a relationship with you. I want to take the payment that you made for my sin. I want to take that. I don't want to pay for my sin myself. I want a relationship with you. Yes, we could say that. And so the question, as we close this portion, is whether you're watching online or you're here tonight, what a good question to ask, especially at Christmas. Do I want... A relationship with God. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. And, and before I close us out in prayer and the band comes and leads us in a, a song and we light candles and it, we end the service, I want you to just think quickly about that, that question. And if you're here tonight, whether you're watching online or you're here with us, and you would say, hey, Chris, Man, I, I've thought about that question a little bit. Maybe you've thought about it even before tonight. And you'd say, you know what? Yes, I do. I do. I, I, I've been kind of doing life my own way. And, but I do. I want a relationship with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You, you can do that tonight. And I want to give you an opportunity to right where you're at. Just right in your seat. If you're here tonight and you would say, hey, Chris, Yes. I want a relationship with God. How, how would I start that? 
Well, the first thing, are you, are you willing to just admit to God that you've sinned, that you've disobeyed him, that you've done things your way? Just, you willing to admit that? And then are you, you willing to believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you? And then are you just willing to call and say, God, I, I do, I, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life, transform me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight or, or you're watching online and you'd say tonight, yes, I want that. You can just tell God that. We, we tell God what we believe in our heart and we call that prayer. And so just in the quietness of this room, if you're here tonight and tonight's the night that you say, yes, I want a relationship with God, just, just say something like this to God, just in your heart. God, I admit that I've disobeyed you. I've sinned. Just tell him. Then just tell him, God, I, I believe that Jesus came, he died on the cross, and rose from the grave for me. I believe that. Just tell God. And then just invite. Say, God, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Transform me. Save me now. Just in the quietness of our room, before we sing our last song, if you're here tonight and you'd say, Chris, tonight I started a relationship with God. As you were praying out loud, I was talking to God in my heart. And tonight I started a relationship with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you, but you'd say, yes, tonight I, I accepted Jesus. I started a relationship with God. If you did, maybe you're watching online and you did. If you're here with us, there's a decision card right in front of you that you can fill out. We would love to pray for you and just connect with you. Just fill that card out and just you can just leave it in the pew on your way out. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a card right there that you can fill out as well. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we have an answer to the broken relationship that we had with you. Lord, thank you that you provided that because you love us, because you are for us. And Lord, I pray on this Christmas weekend that anyone that's listening to this that doesn't have a relationship with you would say yes. Lord, thank you for those that tonight said yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.